Welcome to the podcast, Estate Planning with Paul Rabelais, where we'll discuss the latest and simplest legal strategies and tactics available for you to protect your estate for yourself and your family, all in easy-to-understand terms. It's all about protecting your estate now, so you and your loved ones can reap the benefits later. And now your host, estate planning attorney, Paul Rabelais. So in this podcast, I'm going to discuss four key Medicaid rules regarding the ownership of bank accounts. Hey everybody, I'm Paul Rabelais here. I'm an estate planning attorney helping people all over South Louisiana get their legal affairs in order and help them protect what they have, make things easy as they go through life and when they pass away. One of the areas where we get lots of questions about is the issue of um, people having to spend their life savings if they go into a nursing home. And so there's lots of strategies that are discussed in other podcasts and videos regarding how to protect what one has accumulated in the event they need that long-term skilled care in a nursing facility and they want to arrange things in, a, in an attempt to qualify for, uh, perhaps if they're in Louisiana, the Louisiana Long-Term Care Medicaid program. But what I'm going to address in this podcast is just the, the very little niche question of when it's time to go into a nursing home and apply for Medicaid What do they look at in terms of the bank accounts that someone either owns or has access to or owns by themselves or owns with others? So let's jump right in. And I'm going to address four key components regarding bank accounts of a Medicaid applicant. There is perhaps more to it than that, but let's Let's, I think if you can get through these first four rules, you'll get through 90% of the issues. So the first rule I'm going to address is when does Medicaid look at the bank accounts? And quite frankly, they, they look at it at one point during the month. Um, and, I'm, and I'm referencing the, Met, the Louisiana Medicaid Eligibility Manual as I go through these four points. But my first point is that Medicaid looks at the bank balance at the first moment of the first day of each month for which eligibility is considered. So if somebody's going into a nursing home on on May 8th and they're applying for Medicaid as of May 8th, well, you would think that Medicaid would look at the assets as of May 8th, but they don't. They look at the assets as of what they define as the first moment of the first day of the month. So they want to see all the banking records as of that moment, um, first moment on May 1st. So um, really the focus needs to be on the bank account balances as of the first day of the month. All right, my second important Medicaid eligibility rule regarding bank accounts is that an encumbrance, and I'm I'm going to define what an encumbrance is, but an encumbrance may be deducted from the bank account balance. So again, this is important because for a single person, uh, unmarried, widowed, um, they that 
single individual can only have $2,000 of countable resources uh, in order to qualify for Medicaid, 2000 really less than $2,000. And so, you know, bank accounts aren't necessarily the only countable resource. Someone may own some shares of stock or a piece of property. So, um, you know, all that's taken into account. For purposes of this podcast, we're just talking about the bank accounts. And because oftentimes when a person goes into a nursing home, that's maybe all they have. They, they may own a home and they may own one or more bank accounts, maybe a checking account, maybe a savings account. Um, so uh, going back to how an encumbrance may be deducted from the bank account balance. So you might say, what's an encumbrance? Well, it's defined as a legal obligation to pay a debt. And it may exist when a check has been written from a bank account and it, and it has not cleared by the first moment of the first day of the month. So uh, it even uh, our manual even gives an example of someone who wrote a rent check on April 25th and they've been writing rent checks on the 25th of every month and a review of the bank statements shows that they write a $500 rent check on the 25th of each month, but the landlord or whoever the check was written to hadn't cleared as of the first day of the month, so that $500 was still sitting in the bank account of the Medicaid applicant. Medicaid says that you can deduct out that $500 check from the actual account balance um, and so you don't count those encumbrances. So that, that helps for people who have um, written checks at the end of the month that hadn't cleared as of the first day of the month. All right, important rule number three is, and we get a lot of questions about this, is the what Medicaid calls the unrestricted asset, asset, unrestricted access account, commonly referred to as an OR account. You know, we see this a lot where dad has his checking account and dad doesn't want the account to be frozen when dad dies or uh, dad wants daughter to be able to write bills because he's old and he gets messed up. So he wants daughter to be on the account. So um, they go to the bank and they add the daughter to dad's account and it's an or account. So the third important Medicaid rules is that the, the Medicaid applicant, in this case dad, is presumed to be the owner of all of the funds held in an unrestricted access account, commonly referred to as an OR account. Some people mistakenly believe, well, my, my daughter's name is on the account, so all of the funds in the account shouldn't be considered dad's money because um, daughter's name is on the account as a signer. Well, we start with the presumption that it's all dad's money. But that leads us to important Medicaid rule number four, which says that the Medicaid applicant, in our, in our example, dad, may rebut the presumption that it's all his money 
if uh, if he doesn't consider himself the owner of all or part part of the funds, but he's got to provide lots of uh, documentation to rebut the presumption that it's all his money. He's got to provide written statements regarding the ownership of the funds, the reason the joint account was established, who made deposits to or withdrawals from the account, how withdrawals were spent. You need corroborating statements from the other uh, account holders, in our example, daughter. And then you have to have a change in the name of the account to correctly reflect ownership uh, or establishment of a new account in the applicant's name, which contains only his funds if he claims partial ownership. So you gotta you gotta go through a bunch of uh, maneuvering and statements if you want to attempt to rebut the presumption that all of the money in an OR account is the money of the Medicaid applicant. So there you have it. Some people mistakenly believe that, you know, there are no rules on this stuff and you can just make it up as you go along. That ain't the case. There are, you know, specific rules on who owns bank accounts and when those bank accounts are looked at for purposes of Medicaid eligibility. I think if you understand just these four basic rules, it'll give you a head start as you're either um, attempting to apply for Medicaid or helping a loved one, a parent, a grandparent, a spouse um, apply for Medicaid as well. It can, it can avoid a lot of confusion and delay on the back end as Medicaid sorts through all of the, the bank account information. So hope that helps. The, the real key here is planning ahead, ideally planning years ahead, even more ideally arranging things at least five years prior to a uh, Medicaid application in order to protect what you have. Really difficult and sometimes impossible at the last minute to arrange things in a way that helps families protect what they have. So hope that helps. Take care of your business ahead of time. I'm Paul Rabelais. Have a great day.